Hey folks, my name is Lana Winterhalt and you are now part of the Good and Plenty Producers Club. We're going to be talking to women, non-binary, and trans femme audio engineers and producers from across the country and get to know their creative process. Let's have some fun. back for another episode of the Good and Plenty Producers Club. I am so excited today to have three-time Juno-nominated producer, composer, artist, uh, Alicia Brilla. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Lena. How are you doing? How is life? How are things going? (laughs) Things are good. They are so much brighter and they're feeling a lot warmer since summer is here and yes some shows are coming back I'm feeling I'm feeling the vitality of all of that oh yes finally it's it's felt like a long uh, a long winter to spring extended period yes forever. I think it's something we all survived and can live to tell about well I am so excited to dig into chatting with you about your music and the way that you produce and the way that you write. But how about just to start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what what you do, and and what kind of music you make, and anything about you that you want to share? Yeah, so my name is Alicia Brilla. I, well, you've introduced me as an artist and music producer and composer. Uh, I come from... A really beautiful family that's also a mixed family and that's greatly informed my music as well as my worldview and uh, just the appreciation for liminal space as it applies to all things in life including music Um, and I have a cat a lovely little black and white cat and um, I'm off to England on Sunday so feeling good amazing <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you're going to England for mm-hmm. so uh, very excitingly I was selected as one of the artists to represent Canada in uh, key change which is a program in Europe that brings together uh, female and non-binary artists from around the world uh, and puts them in front of European festival buyers you know agents um the movers and shakers in the European music ecosystem, and all of whom are women and non-binary themselves. So cool. it's it's a really amazing program dedicated to all the things that you pretty much cover on your podcast, and I'm really excited for it. Cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Congrats. That'll be just an amazing time. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's also so fun to like participate in things that are by us, for us. You know, it's it's not like a one random group of dudes putting on something for ah we'll throw them a bone you know we'll throw the ladies a bone it's like exactly this is us (laughs) it's us it's that feeling when you can look into people's eyes and they've seen what you've seen we Mm. all are on a similar page about why we're doing what we're doing absolutely wow that is amazing well i hope you have just an incredible time um why don't we here's the big question We're going to rewind all the way to the beginning of your music career. Mm -hmm. And where did music start for you? Well, I am lucky that I grew up um, with uh, my dad who played guitar in a band in Tanzania when he was growing up. So he is very musical and um, him and my uncle 
would jam together when I was three years old, four years old at uh, family gatherings and things like that. And at that age, I remember being completely, completely mesmerized by the guitar, wanting to play it. And um, it's funny because I swear, I promise you, if I was a little boy, I'm sure they would have been like, oh, here, you know, come, come under my wing. Yeah. But I was just a little girl and I just watched the, the bros, yeah, <laughs> the bros jamming. Um, but I knew I wanted to do that. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and over the years, I picked up whatever instrument I could find, whether it was my dad's guitar or eventually a, an electronic keyboard that um, my grandma gave to my sisters and I and taught myself on those things. I'm very much self-taught um, because music wasn't something we formally studied as youth, either in school or extracurricularly. We just kind of did it. Um, and production-wise, when I was in high school, I um, took a co-op. I took a co-op in high school at a recording studio in Kitchener. Oh, cool. And so that I was about 15 then and um, learned on a software called Sony Vegas, which is antiqu- antiquated, one of those obscure sort of softwares. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's su- super, super old, but uh, it taught me the fundamentals. I mm-hmm. learned what a track was, what is an input, what is a volume, what's gain, what's reverb, all, all the things that are the building blocks for recording and and uh sound so that's yeah high school amazing wow Mm -hmm. and yeah so you talked about that intro into production where did that take you after high school like how how did that kind of integrate into your own artistry and your own projects and that sort of thing after high school uh I applied for two you know college programs one was a production program music production and the other one was a jazz theory program and if you remember what I said I did not know a lick of music theory yeah (laughs) so somehow I studied my ass off and you know got through the audition which had a lot of theory involved and uh, I got into both programs but I opted for the jazz one because it was closer to downtown Toronto and I was like I need to be where the you know the action is and gig Mm. and all that I dropped out after two months, (laughs) (laughs) two months later, I dropped out, started working at a grocery store and, um, had an iMac tower. If you remember those colorful ones, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And so I had that at home and I started, uh, just in my apartment after work, before work, uh, producing, creating demos of my songs and I called them demos because I didn't think I could validate anything I was creating at the time, but they actually sounded really cool. And, um, that, that's sort of how I started producing my own music. And, um, eventually I shopped those to different labels and producers. And after a brief stint in Hollywood, signed to a major record label, uh, I came back to Canada and since then have produced and released, uh, I think uh, this is my fifth album coming. So it's been a journey. <laughs> wow. Seriously. Hollywood. Yeah. What was that like? Holly okay well back then see I have lots of friends who go to LA now and they're they're like lots of female friends who are like oh it's so cool and they right. have their networks and they have their their people um but at that time certainly it was everything you would imagine it was mm-hmm. um uh just like it, like sexism on steroids like yeah so did I get much out of it you know what I got out of it was watching probably 30 to 40 different very talented music producers work and I got to see their Hmm. workflow 
because I was just the artist in the corner watching. And so I, I definitely gained uh, knowledge and learning from that experience. But coming back to Canada and producing my own stuff and now being here doing this, this feels a lot better. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, sometimes I tend to play a song near the end of the episode more, but I really want people to hear your stuff and what you sound like. And we can we can dig in a little bit to... Um, yeah, the kind of music that you're you're making and kind of talk from there. So I'm going to play a clip from a song that you sent me. Do you want to just intro this song a little bit? Yeah, this song is called Echo. And this song is all about ancestry. And for me, it speaks to the many different rivers that converge into the people we are. Awesome. Well, let's uh, take a listen and then we'll chat some more after. Passed down to me by the ones who came before So many different spirits and stories Converging into the river of my soul Oh, yeah, yeah Which is an echo of an ache of my kin Which is an echo of my kin Oh, which is an echo of an ache of my kin Of my kin and my ancestors And which is an echo of an ache of my kin which is an echo of my kin Oh, which is an echo of an ache of my kin My kin, my gorgeous thank you what a vibe what a jam yeah big big (laughs) vibes yeah yeah incredible yeah so tell us about the process of of making that song and and you you do have an album coming out is this part of of that that larger project yeah this is the second single and uh this is a song that um when I was making this album from a production standpoint and feel standpoint, just the entire kind of emotion in it, I wanted it to be a synthesis of what felt very rootsy and acoustic um, mm. with these moments of swelling kind of sonic portals um, where things became really ambient and patty. And uh, and I, I'd like to think maybe a little unexpected window. Mm. If I'm when I picture the song and the listener, I kind of feel like I'm taking them through a corridor sometimes or like a passageway. And I'd like to think of with this record, I pulled up some windows at some point that look out at certain, uh, certain scenes, you know? And so for Echo, it's the swirling sounds of, um, in those ambient parts, a lot of Indian influence. So you hear some of the, the singing, uh, the scales, you hear the tabla, um, there's a little bit of Bansuri flute on it. And um, yeah, I wanted to share that with with folks. Amazing. So yeah, when it actually comes to, um, you know, putting all of these sounds together, like, it, I, you know, I don't think I've necessarily chatted with anyone on, on the show yet who um, has music that incorporates, for lack of better words, non-Western traditional <laughs> instruments, you know, mm-hmm. Um so how how does that work for you? How do you incorporate these sounds? Like, where do you start with um, figuring out where they fit and, and how you weave these things all together? 
yeah, you know, it's a, it's an experiment. I'm, I'm throwing, I am the spaghetti being thrown at the wall right now. Cause like <laughs> yeah. truly, uh, being mixed myself, like I said, right at the beginning of this, there is no template for what a half Indo Tanzanian, half European settler person music would sound like, you mm-hmm. know, it's truly, I feel like, um, I'm doing it, <laughs> you right. know, I'm just doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and although I was so really, really, really blessed to go to India and study, uh, classical Indian music for a brief period of time, this was now seven years ago. Um, and my dad, of course, um, loves classical Indian music, my uncles, all my, that whole side of the family. What I'm creating is not, it's not classical Indian music by any stretch of the word. However, like you said, I, I love the textures of all of the instruments that are used in, in that music tradition. And also vocally, I love the modal scales that Indian music uses, which Irish music uses as well. Oh, interesting. So if you've ever listened to Irish music and Indian music, you'll actually hear a lot of a lot of similarities and I need to keep exploring the history, but I feel like in my heart at some point there was some sort of bridge. I don't know what it is, but um so yeah, bringing those into my music is much a process of um when it feels correct, when it feels I'm being guided by my heart and my ears to be honest. That's amazing. I love that. Um and I know that that you really have such a deep sense of of spirituality that mixes with your music. And uh, you know, I love I love the way that you've said that you know it it's um, a method of healing. You know, and and I'm wondering if you can just chat a little bit more about that. Where does where does that idea come from, and how do you see mm. it um, play into your music? Yeah, I believe in a nutshell <laughs> that music is one of the most healing forces we have on this planet as humans. And I, I truly, I know most artists do feel that way. That's why we engage with it so intimately. Um, but I think that my interest in its function on a maybe deeper level uh, comes from three things. One is my memory of being a child and... Um, not necessarily communi- feeling like I could communicate with people uh, in a satisfactory way until we were playing music together or singing together. And even today, I feel that way. I feel the most connected to other human beings when we are jamming, singing, listening to a song together. It feels like this immediate bridge between people. And I, and I think more than ever, we need those bridges. Um, the second thing was uh, working with youth. I've worked. Mm-hmm. I've had the wonderful privilege of working with youth over the past ten years, and then, yeah, and I've seen and witnessed every time. Uh, they will also say, music is the thing they turn to in their moments of anxiety, of depression. Uh, if they're very isolate, music is their friend. It's a, a voice of comfort and companionship. And thirdly, my granddad, my dear sweet granddad, who who had dementia at the end of his life. Um, I'm sure you've seen the viral videos of sweet old people reactivating entirely when they hear songs. And I, right. I had the gift of witnessing that in person. <gasps> wow. It was the... 
I mean, trippy is a trivializing road. It was a trip, okay? Because yeah. my yeah, granddad yeah. was um, like head down, no ex- like expressionless face. I don't even know where his consciousness was, f- I mean, at the end of his life for the most part. But when my sisters and my mom and I would go into uh, where he was at the home and we would bring a guitar, the second we started playing a song from his childhood, I could see the illumination in his eyes. He, his head would come up. He would start singing. He had a beautiful voice. And seeing that, all of those things just convinced me, amongst others. There's so many others. There's stories I have of, you know, spiritual mediums uh, reaffirming that even in the spirit world, music is this highway between dimensions, you know, and that wow. that's going into <laughs> that's going into obviously a spiritual space, but. There's just been so many things that continue to tell me that I, and I know you know this, and I'm sure most of our listeners know this, music is this force that we can't even necessarily put language to. Mm -hmm. But I think from a scientific perspective, when it comes to its actual function in mental health, in medicine, its function in, you know, peace across the world between different factions of human beings, I really think that music, we've only we're seeing the tip of the iceberg of what music will do and continue to do for us as humanity. So I hope that wasn't too. <laughs> oh no, that's incredible. Yeah. That's how I feel though. That's how I feel. And I'm sure I, I feel like you relate. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, sometimes it feels, I think I've described it on, on the podcast before as not creating music necessarily, but participating in music that's already there. You know, it's like the, these things are sound and reverberation it's part of nature it's part Mm. of it's part of the world it's part of how things are built together on this earth and and um even down to the smallest you know molecules with vibrations and and seeing how they react and you know all these different things it's it's part of what's all around us and sometimes it feels like yeah, being able to create and being able to to make music feels like participating in something that's already happening, you know? Yes, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's beautifully put. It is already happening. And if you've ever heard the term bioacoustics, mm-hmm. you're familiar with that? Yeah. So the field of scientific research that explores sound within nature, mm-hmm. and like you just said, that already exists in every other living molecule to every other living being, Um one one fun little bioacoustic fact that really felt really resonant to me and kind of speaks to what you said is that in the rainforest, you know, scientists measure sound and it helps them. It's almost like they're putting their finger on the pulse of the health of the forest when, when they put their headphones on because they can measure what the rainforest sounds like from, you know, one year to the next and see the spectrum of frequencies that actually reflects what animals are present and how present they are. Wow. And so cool, right? Yeah. And, and within the rainforest, you know, nature is so intelligent that each anim- each bird, each species develops a sound or has a sound that tends to not interfere with the other within that spectrum. Hmm. So birds will have a certain higher frequency than the cricket would be even higher and you know, and this other bird might be lower and it's so that they can hear each other across the, and they're not um, interfering with each other. So I thought that was cool too, that, you know, when it comes to sound and nature, 
there's like the diversity has a function and I think it's the same with us and wow you know all the music we create from genre to genre from artist to artist the things we're singing and speaking about the fact that they might sound different or be different actually is very like beautiful and functional wow yeah I've never I've never thought of that before that's it it is actually unbelievable how much how little we as humans know about what's actually going on 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 this planet you know it's like yes it it really does change the way that we make you know create or participate in creating it's so it's very humbling Mm. to realize that you know like an industry that has so much pretension and popularity contests and all this stuff mixed in it's like we're talking about I don't mean this word in like the religious sense of it, but we're talking about something very sacred, you Mm -hmm. know, like we are talking about something that is so sacred and we misuse that all the time. Mm. You know, we talk way too flippantly about really important, important things. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think remembering that sacred, the sacred nature of sound and music is what helps me not take certain things as seriously. Hmm. or even parts of myself as seriously um, in creating it because I, yeah, I'm just one one voice of many and, and it's such a gift to be able to create. I, yeah, everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what does that look like for you when you are going to write a song? Like what's your what's your process? Do you, you know, sit down with your DAW and start writing into the DAW or what, what's kind of your normal process for, for creating a song? I think I think it varies. I think what tends to happen for me in in the best case scenario, if I'm uh, if a song comes to me in like the most sweet way, it's usually when I'm doing something else, right? Mm. I'm driving, I'm showering, I'm walking, some something in that theta brain state, right? Which is so cool, and the brain's just like in this space. Um, kind of hip, hypnotic meditative space and then the song just comes I wasn't even trying to write that's that's the best um method of reception I feel like it yeah. feels the best otherwise I do have a guitar and I and I usually write on guitar mm. um and yeah I don't tend to start songs in my DAW very often usually it's a bit more just with my voice or pen and paper or guitar and then I go to my DAW and my second step is usually creating the beat, like creating the beat um, and the the foundation for whatever the production will be. Cool. And so from there, do you um, do you go into a studio? Do you have your own studio or how do you continue building the song? Yeah, so uh, both. I have a studio space in my house and uh, it's very, very functional. It's it's pretty much, um, I mean, it's very simple and it's kind of the setup I've used for years and years. Um, I don't have any outboard gear. I don't have any, you know, cool racks or anything. Um, but I have my iMac that I've had for almost 10 years now. Um, a Scarlet interface, uh, two 15 inch KRK monitors and, um, a MIDI keyboard. And I use Logic as a software. And I very much work with the plugins that are in Logic. I am 
probably the most minimalist when it comes to both gear and uh like digital (laughs) assets and yeah I think it's very intentional I think if you went into someone's space and you're like oh this person's minimalist I'm that in my digital world um I'm sure it started when I like couldn't afford other gear and I was like this works why would I uh, modify it and then now it's just like it works I I can I can also be experimental in affecting sounds and recording weird things like I um so yeah that's sort of my process cool and then I will go into a big studio I totally go into larger studios and will track like kit or organ when they have a b3 and and uh record things there too and it's usually an amalgamation of what I've done in my home studio and parts that I've tracked in a larger studio cool that's awesome yeah I feel very similar to that in that it's like uh, you know I, I think I went through a phase of like trying to just like accrue as much stuff as I could and then it got to the point where it was like I only need you know there's a certain amount of tools that I use all the time that work for mm-hmm. me that work for my sound and of course if something else comes along that is going to enhance that a little bit then sure but I think it's totally okay to just have your you know handful of things that work for you and yeah your go-tos and and you know if, if it works it works like I think that's totally yeah I think that's great yeah so that's that's how I've, I mean who knows maybe one day I will build a bigger studio or I'm not necessarily um, I'm not against that or anything I just that like you just said it, it's worked for me it continues to work for me so it's my flow totally and then uh when you're incorporating some of these um other sounds like you were saying you know some of these different instruments uh do you have session players that you are are kind of your go-tos or do you play some of these instruments or or how does that work yeah uh so both so I do play um I was listening to Hills (laughs) yours and Hills episode uh like just like Hill said I can play give me an instrument I'll play it so you know drums bass keys guitar even like she was saying like a pad on a trumpet or whatever um I can do that but also but also I do not play sitar I do not play vansuri I don't play tabla like I um certainly have people that I would call who I know are going to play incredibly and add such a beautiful flavor to the song and so um many things I'll do myself and then uh when it asks for another like energy or a specific sound especially when it comes to classical Indian instruments then I will bring in uh, a wonderful plethora of musicians that you'll hear on this album including Hashil is on the Bansuri flute um, uh, a woman named Radhika plays the Veena um, and uh, Sarah Tower, do you know Sarah? Uh, I know the name. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't know personally. She's like a, a really, really amazing drummer, and she also plays the, uh, Indian drums, the tabla. So she played those, and um, yeah, just very, very lucky. Even though I actually on this record, on one of the songs, I had a woman play a classical Indian violin, and she's in England, and she just sent me the tracks remotely. Actually, I did quite a bit of that because of COVID. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a mix. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so tell us a little bit of, more about this, this album, you know, what did you do the, the engineering or the production yourself? You, did you mix it where, you know, how, how did it happen? 
Yeah, great question. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> how did it happen? Um, I don't know how any of us made anything over the past two years. So, oh my god, seriously. <laughs> like both kudos to the people who did and also to the people who didn't like do not be hard on yourself because uh i don't know how anyone did it <laughs> it was a shit show but it was a shit show like it like truly like if my music was in like a cloth i was like squeezing so hard to try and get out um but you know I also knew that I wanted to there was still music that came to me and so um for this record it was actually a lot of it started on ukulele um very very organically just singing my little songs in my living room (laughs) when I was sad and very very alone um but eventually it was um oh also on this record I, I knew I didn't want full drum kit that was a a very specific choice Mm. um as you had mentioned earlier me kind of electing to veer a little bit away from the western standards of music and instead on this record the percussion that you hear is uh, all hand percussion oh wow so cajon uh tabla djembe and um so that's what you'd hear on, on this record so yeah how did this record come together um very slowly, very snail's pace, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and with a lot of patience, forgiveness, and grace towards myself and everyone involved, because uh, the fact that it's done now feels quite honestly miraculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, because we were only navigating, like, uh, you know, continuing to be motivated or whatever. There was also just so such a huge learning curve with technology of yes. you know like learning how do we be remote how do we yes. how do we send things back and forth the best way and you know like yeah. I have I have a million folders now on like Google Drive Dropbox we transfer all these things <laughs> like yeah. people sending files back and forth but that was also a huge part of it was the learning uh, how to continue to to work together in in the midst of that yeah but I, I I feel like it was a good learning experience. And, you know, I did mix this record as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I've mixed music before, but not my own. Mm. Um, I'm glad I did it. Hashtag no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did it. Uh, great learning experience. Hmm. Uh, probably won't do it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, tell oh. me more. So I think it sounds great don't get me wrong I mm-hmm. don't feel like any loss for having done it sonically or anything like that it was more missing that collaborative spirit with someone else and um but I, I think the reason I did mix it in the first place was that with all the lockdowns I couldn't have that intimate proximity with someone else and I and I also knew that I had the time <laughs> mm. to to mix it so it felt like the perfect time to do it um but yeah I mixed it and to be honest I'm so happy with how it sounds I actually listened to the record and I learned a lot about how much mixing can influence subtle emotional charges in the song and that was a big big reason I wanted to do it too because with this record like I said earlier, the swells are sort of subtle, like you're not expecting them. And I wanted to make sure that they come in when they're supposed to and all of cool. that. Yeah, there is definitely that, you know, like you're saying, that that lack of collaboration. But there's also this 
you know, freedom to you have control over every little thing. There's so much intention behind every moment of the song and yes making sure it's exactly what you want it to be but that that takes some time (laughs) it took yeah it took time and because it's my music I was uh, more attuned and specific and Mm. all those things um but it was a blessing for being able to control with such a finite nature frequency shifts and yeah, those subtle experiential things that I do think the mix really affects hmm. in a big way. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest challenge sonically for you mixing uh, your album yourself? Like, I, even specifically, I'm wondering how you had so many instruments and so many sounds come together so perfectly. Like, oh, was that hard? <laughs> it sounded like it took... Like it's it sounds yeah. beautiful. It sounds perfect. Honestly, it sounds so great that it's like thank you. Holy moly, she uh yeah she took she took some time there. <laughs> it's true. I honestly did take time. Mm. I think the mixing process was probably, I mean, seven or eight months. Oh wow, yeah, which is a long time <laughs> for seven songs. <laughs> <laughs> like it, you know, I uh, and I and I didn't mix when I didn't want to. Um, hmm. I I only mix and I had the luxury of doing that because it's my own music and I was but I uh, only touched the music when I knew I was going to put good energy into it because I really wanted it for this record um, but yeah I there was probably on some of the songs like 60 tracks maybe 100 depending wow. on the song you know and um, layers of things and pads and BGs and all of that um, yeah I think the biggest challenge was making sure each sound got heard and honored in its place. Mm. Um, I always think of baking. I think of a cake when I think of a song. Hmm. You know, I think of the production process as, you know, actually making the, the cake, the actual cakes themselves. And, you know, and then the the mixing process is like icing it. And then the mastering is like the final glaze, you know. Um, and when I think of when I mixed this record, it was like, for example, if I was making, let's say chai, because chai has so many spices in it. And, you know, you have cardamom and cloves and cinnamon and pepper and ginger. And um, it it reminds me of mixing music because y- you can change the way someone's going to experience it hmm. by just shifting one of the ingredients ever so slightly and you really want them all to be there um so when I was mixing this record I think that was the biggest challenge was like I there's these beautiful BGs. I don't want them to get washed away by this thing so it was oh actually back to the forest analogy it was trying to make sure all the birds had their voice yeah in the space yeah mm, wow birds cakes yeah. alicia Villa records <laughs> i know <laughs> honestly it's like i feel like that's the that's just how you talk about music you know it's different metaphors it's like somebody will get this <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome nice yeah um okay well we are are almost near the end of the show uh i want to ask you a few more questions about um you know, obviously you've, you've mentioned you're, you're a person of mixed background and, and that plays into your music and, and, uh, the way that 
you do everything obviously it's who you are it's it's your sound it's the way you present yourself on stage obviously and and um I feel like so often we see people who are making incredible music but you know fusions of different cultures can just be lumped into the category of world music or global music or or whatever um how do you you know try to communicate what you're doing to audiences to uh, you know people everywhere like how yeah I wonder if if you have any thoughts on that you know how do you um what's my elevator pitch (laughs) yeah exactly the industry is so obsessed with genre and brand and who do you sound like and blah 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 but um yeah where do you where do you see yourself in that yeah well you know to be honest I think it's something that I had to get over uh, I mean, all of us do, because none of us really love trying to pigeonhole ourselves. Um, totally. But it, as it relates to be, me being mixed, um, people really love categories. It's like, a, mm. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, if it's a human brain thing or if it's actually just a colonial thing, um, mm. a colonial worldview thing. Because I know with a lot of Indigenous global cultural traditions, things are a lot more... Uh, gradient they're a lot more connected mm-hmm. and the kind of rigid lines aren't as as much there um so you know it, I'm neither you know my mother's of European settler background here in Canada and my my dad is of Indo-Tanzanian background and I am neither of those things exclusively I'm not halved by those things I am I am a fusion and when I think of how I've tried to explain that over the years, I realized that the best way for us to uh, explain things sometimes is just to exist and be and and do it. And, you know, with my music, that's that's what I'm doing. I personally have not heard music like mine very much, or I don't know many other artists who are of my background who create that kind of fusion. Um, and yet... I, I'm doing it because I uh, that's what I want to hear that's what that's what speaks to me you know I I love hearing that mix of of music because that's that's how I grew up that's you know what makes my brain feel happy and fuzzy and um so yeah when it comes to explaining what my music is to folks I actually do say global roots mm. uh, global roots folk fusion um, because I Global Roots is pretty accurate because, you know, if it wasn't my ancestors in Europe or in India or in Tanzania, now I'm here on Turtle Island and, you know, I'm influenced by a ton of different musical traditions, as we all are. I don't think any of us live in a cultural vacuum anymore. Uh, We're all just uh, learning and feeding off of each other. And so, yeah, Global Roots music is how I often do describe it, but... um, I think if they ever want to push or say that this is somehow like a niche thing or a nuanced thing or um, I think the proof in the pudding that I have a fan base, that I have people who want to hear it is that um, it, it's not niche to them. <laughs> like, pe- you know, pe- everyone will find what feels medicinal to them musically. And um, I think if you ha- if you're creating and you're con- like maybe conscious or self-conscious of what how you'll fit in or what your genre will be or how you'll explain it I think um at the end of the day just doing it is just do it 
Absolutely. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, what you said, uh, it also directly relates to our experience as, as women or non-binary people that, you know, we're not, we're not just a woman producer, you know, or, or we're not exclusively a producer or exclusively a woman, you know, like there's totally, there's we, the only way to, to continue pushing the boundaries is to just exist, just to be women making good music. Like that's, you know, that's, that's what it's going to take. Be a multi-hyphenate. Yes. (laughs) Rock, rock that multi-hyphenate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I wonder what your um if you have any perspective on that, you know, what your experience has been like as as a woman in in this industry, also the you know, the the of mixed background and you know, there's there's just probably a, a lot of a lot of things that you've had to endure for lack of a better word. Yeah. And well, I don't know I don't know another experience, uh but I have felt things change over the years, you know, so, um, and in a positive way. So, uh, when I was in LA 10 years ago, I can say that I never would have thought I would have heard women that I know now at that time say they loved being there or that they were having a great time or, you know, you just didn't hear that rhetoric back then. It was still, everyone was kind of struggling, um, in that Mm. environment, but I think, being a woman now, um, if I think of this, the time in this industry as like a, a surface of an ocean and there were, you know, waves that were kind of like this and there were dips and I kind of see us surfing a bit now. Like we're all together on this huge wave that is pushing itself through the industry. That's like, watch out, yeah, <laughs> boys, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> whether they like it or not, you can't change the nature of how that movement is flowing. And I see it. I feel it. Um, I know everyone sees and feels it. And um, I think it's a really powerful thing. And we are supporting each other. We're hiring each other, mm-hmm. um, telling each other how much we're getting paid at festivals, you know, th- things that might even sound kind of dry like that, but actually do impact the overall equity in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I think... Now being a woman in this industry, I couldn't be more proud because I know what it took to get here and I know how hard all of all of us work and mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's pretty it's it's an exciting time to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I've been I've been reflecting a lot lately on um you know how for so much of the journey for for those who have you know slugged through before us they have had to infiltrate the boys club and and shake things up from from within it and try to get in but i feel like now we're at this place especially with something like key change that you're going to the uk for Mm -hmm. like we're creating our own damn industry you know (laughs) it's like yes if you don't want to be part of the boys club you literally don't have to anymore bye-bye like yeah (laughs) you know we'll we'll get women owned labels we'll get non-binary owned publishers we're getting you know like there are tour managers sound engineers booking agents absolutely like uh, it's no longer you know just trying to um get into you know get one of us into the boys club like just get in there it's yeah 
we're making our own like it yeah. that we got in there we realized it sucks and we're making our own yes like, <laughs> yes it's so true like kenny star mm-hmm. and linda perry yes. and hill krakutis knocked the door down and now we're all just rushing Absolutely. right in. <laughs> like, we're like seriously <laughs> like oh someone left the door open yeah. like <laughs> here we go yeah <laughs> um yeah and i th- i think it's you know it's so exciting to feel confident to encourage people into this industry knowing that like there there is there can be success you know there Mm -hmm. can be there can be joy and a fulfilling career and there can be these things for you in the audio industry and to be able to to point to these people who have figured it out you know to point to these people who who are are doing the work and and finding success whatever that means for them is so exciting to encourage people like you know you're not encouraging them anymore into like oh yeah you of course you're an amazing producer but like the boys club's really nasty like beware like you know you can confidently encourage them into like there's a there's a culture for you here that is amazing like there is there is something for you here that is actually really great yeah I absolutely and that you can be like you said a multi-hyphenate and we don't need to be reduced to these singular identities that that's just like not the reality anymore for so many of us absolutely yeah yeah um we're gonna wrap up right away but I want to ask you if you were giving some encouragement to someone just starting out in their production journey uh in in getting into audio uh what would your what would your encouragement be for them my encouragement for those of you getting into audio just kind of starting out would be to listen to this podcast obviously (laughs) yeah Uh, yes get inspired (laughs) listen to listen to those who are doing it who've done it for a while um, make connections, reach out to people, um, and also throw that spaghetti at the wall, you know, like that's the whole point of art is that we are breaking rules, doing things that maybe it's not the same way they do it, but it, that doesn't matter at all. So to not be afraid to experiment and, um, for all the women and non-binary folks out there who might find themselves feeling that imposter syndrome that we talk about um, just to remember that that is felt by and has been felt by most of the the women and non-binary folks you you see at the top and um, that hopefully as we continue to make ourselves visible and demystify a lot of these processes you will understand that it's a it, it's a natural music and music production and engineering and our fascination with sound is just like a human I believe it's really like a human thing mm-hmm. yeah oh that's so great I think that's so important to you know remember in an industry that tries to make everything brandable and cookie cutter and vanilla and whatever like music is art art is meant to be a, a exploratory journey it's meant to be like you said throw the spaghetti at the wall like you know make a mess see what sticks I think that's super important when we're talking about about creating because that's that's the way that we find newness anything yes. with meaning you know that's how we find the next 
and the next thing for us. So I think that's yes, uh, Miss Frizzle. Miss Frizzle was <laughs> onto something. Yes, yes. If it's I start so another true. studio, I should call it the Magic School Bus. <laughs> okay, actually, though, that, be fun? that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Seatbelts, everyone. Seatbelts, um, everyone. <laughs> that's so great. Well. We're going to wrap up. Can you just quickly shout out where people can listen to you or follow you, where they can find Alicia Brilla? Yeah. So if you have Instagram, follow me at Alicia Brilla. It's A-L-Y-S-H-A-B-R-I-L-L-A. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah, some <laughs> cadence in there. Yeah, look at that. Um, and if you're on Spotify, again, Alicia Brilla. So the song you just heard echo on today's episode just came out yesterday <gasps> and so if you go to spotify you can listen to the whole thing oh my goodness okay and you have that song up there that is going to be part of your new album do you have a release date for the album or not yet yeah july 27th oh heck yeah oh my gosh we love a good summer release well yes cannot wait to listen to that and thank you so much for chatting i I feel like we just, you know, scratched the surface, but it's good to <laughs> it's good to chat yeah. and I, I I hope we can have you on again in the future and, and chat some more. I would love that. Amazing. And thank you for creating this beautiful space, this powerful project. I love listening to all the episodes and I think it's a really incredible resource for us us women and non binary folks. So thank you. I appreciate Lana. that. Thank you so much. Well, folks, what can I say? You heard it from Alicia Brilla. A piece of encouragement? Listen to this podcast. <laughs> but my other piece of encouragement for you today is take some deep breaths. Realize the incredible opportunity that you have to make music and participate in music creation and have some fun. Enjoy it. Feel it. Live it. Live, laugh, love. Sorry, I got weird at the end there, but hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for being here.